0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration, that's IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. I'm back with another Freight Friday edition of First State Insights, brought to you through a partnership of IPA and the Delmarva Freight Working Group, an ongoing transportation planning and economic development partnership coordinated by IPA, the Delaware Department of Transportation, and Delaware's three metropolitan planning organizations, the Dover-Kent County MPO, the salisbury wicomico MPO, and Willmapco. My guest is Kathy Roberson. Kathy is an analyst with deep experience across the transportation and logistics business. She's the founder of Logistics Trends and Insights, which provides strategic supply chain research and analysis. She also writes weekly articles for Air Cargo World and serves as a research manager for the Reverse Logistics Association and a research analyst for the Journal of Commerce. On March 11th, 2022, I spoke with Kathy about reverse logistics, the evolution of e commerce, and the return of in person networking with supply chain professionals. Let's get to the conversation. Kathy, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for the invitation. Really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. I wonder if we could get started if you could tell listeners a little bit about your role in the freight and logistics space.
1: I work with a couple of publications, namely the Journal of Commerce. And Air Cargo World, I help out with research and analysis, as well as write a weekly column for Air Cargo World. My background goes back about over 20 years now in the supply chain space, where I started off at UPS as an analyst, doing market research, competitive analysis, due diligence on all of our acquisitions on the supply chain side, and then that's just transformed into starting my own consulting business over the years.
0: And you're active on Twitter, which is how I came in in touch with you. And you recently tweeted that 2022 is the year that folks will discover reverse logistics. And I, I wonder if you could educate listeners and me a bit on what is reverse logistics, first of all.
1: See, it is the year for reverse logistics. It has caught the eye of a lot of folks. What it is, it's something I've been saying for a few years now, is the last mile, mainly when the consumer or the customer gets their package, is not necessarily the last mile. So what happens when you decide you don't really like what you got or it doesn't fit or something else, you return it. That's where the reverse aspect of logistics comes in. Reverse logistics includes returns, recycles, repairs, resales, re commerce, which is a huge growing part of the business now. So it's everything that happens on the back end from the transportation back to the store or the warehouse to the disposition of the goods. And then from there, what the outcome of that usually entails. And disposition is everything from deciding basically what to do with an item you know can you resell it can it be repaired can it be recycled anything to keep it out of the landfills that's the ultimate goal
0: I guess you know I, I know intuitively that this must be expensive for companies because I've tried to return things in the last couple of years and sometimes they say oh just keep it
1: exactly
0: so what is it about now that kind of makes you think that this is the time when companies are going to get serious about Thinking about this?
1: I think it's been building up primarily thanks to e-commerce. E-commerce has made it very easy for us to go online and buy 24 hours a day. And then, you know, we also have the whole free shipping perspective, free. Let me put that in quotes. And the expectations of free returns, quote. And that's in quotes too, because there's no such thing for either one. There is a cost associated with all of this. But the growth of e-commerce, the growth of all this retail sales uh, since the pandemic hit, especially since 2020, has just escalated the number of returns. The National Retail Federation puts out a great annual report on returns, retail returns, because keep in mind, returns happen in every single industry, whether it's a B2C or a B2B so this is just retail and for last year returns made up about a little over 16% of all retail sales in the US that's huge compared to 2020 when it when it represented just slightly over 10% of retail sales so there's this big growth i think in 2021 they estimated about 750 billion Dollars in returns compared to just a little over $400 billion in returns. So the growth is there. And what to do with this has been an issue for a number of retailers and other shippers.
0: And what are some of the options that the disposal companies to do this more efficiently?
1: One of the biggest things is to keep them from occurring. Which, you know, that's easier said than done. Yeah, I know. But you can mitigate the number of returns by just making tweaks on your, on, on your website. So if you're selling, like, for example, a green sweater, make sure that sweater looks green and, and not teal or some shade of blue. So make sure the colors are accurate. Make sure the sizing is accurate. Offer virtual facilities to try on, try on, quotes, the items, uh, dressing rooms, virtual dressing rooms. Things such as this to help mitigate as much as possible. A number of companies offer free returns. However, yeah, that's just like free shipping. Someone's paying for the transportation cost, the warehousing cost, and so on and so forth. So try to mitigate those costs as much as possible by Working with your last mile or your transportation carriers, you know, to get better rates and such as that. Partner up with some of the um, folks that focus on reverse logistics. A lot of times they can offer better deals. I mean, you have like Navarre is a good reverse logistics provider, Mar, And then a lot of our 3PLs, third-party logistics providers, also offer really good, Options as well, but really, what it gets down to, you as a shipper and/ or a retailer, needs to actually know how many returns you're getting and what the costs are. A lot of times this is siloed in companies, so there may be one group within a company that's handling their own returns, another group here, and so on. So really, they all need to be connected somehow or another with the finance group and measured that way, and to set up those KPIs to measure the cost, and to come up with a plan, really, to lower them, because you can lower the cost in a lot of ways.
0: And one of the things I appreciate about your analysis that you put out there is kind of this really detailed kind of company look at, company by company, in many cases, look at e-commerce and choices they're making, and That's both enjoyable and easy for like a novice like me to get get your head around. But also, I'm working on a team with folks in transportation on the Delaware freight plan. And one of the new requirements from the infrastructure law is to think about the impacts of e-commerce on freight infrastructure. So trying to get a sense of where the industry is moving in terms of what this actually means for vehicles on the roads, effectively, or on the rails or wherever. And I guess one burning question is, you know, we've talked about e-commerce, but how are they separated or not from the physical stores now? And our companies kind of rethinking their use of their physical space in reaction to free shipping being expected and, you know, the volume of returns and the cost of that.
1: From what I could tell. There's a lot of different models being literally thrown at the wall to see what sticks. But overall, I can say COVID has really kicked a lot of retailers in the rear end to fast track their investments in technology and linking their physical with their virtual presence. So there's been a lot of investments made in the omni-channel And these are these are tech investments for the most part that will manage inventory for both locations, linking that middle mile, that middle mile being the fulfillment warehousing aspect to the last mile, because we all want our stuff ASAP and we want it available as well. So determining how much to send to a physical store, how much to keep for online is important. But yeah, turning these physical stores into fulfillment facilities has been also very popular as well because a lot of times these stores are closer to a consumer and they can get it delivered to our front steps faster, usually within a day or two, or we can go and pick it up ourselves, either in the store or curbside service. So you've seen a lot of that happening. You're also seeing a lot of these retailers and others becoming logistics providers themselves. I've always said, you know, if you want to succeed in e-commerce, you've got to be a logistics provider, literally. And we've seen some such as American Eagle last year make two logistics acquisitions within the last mile and in the middle mile space. And they've noted in earnings calls that it saves them money, and it's also sped up their last-mile delivery by taking it in-house. Now, that may work for them. It may not work for others. It just depends because supply chain strategies differ from one company to the next. You also see Walmart jumping into the last-mile space. They're offering last-mile services to a variety of customers, such as Home Depot.
0: And when like transportation planners, for example, here, a lot of more, a lot more companies providing last mile services potentially on their own. Mm -hmm. Does that mean more vehicles on the road?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a day goes by that I see an Amazon van coming through our neighborhood at least two or three times. UPS package truck usually comes out here a couple of times and yeah, our friends at FedEx are here, too. And I think the post office is now making three runs on a daily basis as well. So, yeah, lots of packages being delivered to homes. And, you know, and a lot of it could be also attributed to more of us are working from home as well. You know, I think that's playing a big role as a lot of us, you know, that still that working from home, not going to the office quite as much, or maybe that virtual, you know, some of us may be going to an office only once a day, once a week versus five days a week. So there's been shifts in that whole, where that last mile is.
0: And I guess that leads to a a question about how enduring some of these shifts might be. Well, you know, it's easy to get wrapped up in what's happening in reaction to the pandemic and think these are all going to be changes that are here for good. But kind of looking at the long-term, your career, doing analysis in this space, I mean, how enduring do you think some of these shifts uh, are going to be for insourcing logistics, for example, using the physical space in a different way in terms of fulfillment opportunities? Do you see these as kind of lasting things?
1: I do. I do. I think You know, the work from home situation, I think it's going to evolve more into a hybrid. Yeah, because, I mean, we've shown over the past couple of years, we don't have to be in the office to make, you know, to get all of our work done. But at the same time, to collaborate, to have that team, that sense of team, we still need that. And so there will be that need to go into an office, whether it's once a week or twice a week, as far as the stores themselves. Yeah, I really do think the whole omni-channel. That's where we were heading prior to the pandemic. However, there were other pressing issues for retailers at that time. Because, yeah, believe it or not, their inventory levels were way too high. And they were uh, spending more trying to offload that inventory. There was also way too many stores for the market to handle. And we saw a high number of bankruptcies occurring now that, you know, through COVID, we've seen the opposite in terms of inventory. They can't seem to keep up with having enough inventory. They have discovered the fulfillment and the e-commerce Finally, Marrying the two has been very important.
0: And so the omni-channel, could you just put a point on that? Like what exactly is meant by that term, omni-channel?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I use the term omni-channel, others may be using multi-channel, but what it includes is it's a, com, uh, it's a seamless connection between the physical store, the website, the mobile devices, so that me as the consumer, I could either order something on my phone or go to the store and I will have the same experience, Customer. Service customer experience across the board. It wouldn't be clunky, you know, where I have a different group of people I have to deal with from a retailer's perspective.
0: And, you know, I don't think we can ignore that people have been talking about the supply chain crisis a lot more last year or so. And, you know, we all kind of marveled at the ever given being stuck in the Suez Canal and sharing memes about it. And, I imagine for someone in your position working in the field for a while, this has felt a little weird to you, maybe. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what it's been like to be on the inside and getting all this attention on the industry.
1: Uh, I think, you know, a lot of people um, out on social uh, over the past year have talked about my family now understands what I do. Yay. My family still doesn't understand what I do. They kind of under they they understand the, the supply chain, but they don't quite understand what exactly I do. Other than I talk about it to people, but yeah, it really has. I mean, has brought it home to a number of of folks. My a family member, she called me recently. And she's like, Kath, the I went to the grocery store. The shelves were bare. I couldn't find my favorite." Item, you know, what's going on? And, and I explained it to her. It's like, Oh yeah, that was on the news, you know, that type of thing. So that awareness behind the supply chain, you know, I'm so happy to see it. Happy to see other publications writing on it, talking about it, because folks don't realize how important it is until it really does hit, hit them personally.
0: And as we were talking about before the call, you've been able to make some trips recently to conferences to kind of be with like-minded folks who were in the similar situation of all this attention on the industry and now finally getting back together. What was that like? And what what's kind of on people's minds that you took away from some of those events?
1: One of the biggest ones that I came back from was a TPM. Went to both TPM Tech and TPM. And TPM is a great conference put on by the Journal of Commerce. And it was the first in-person conference in two years. No, since 2019. Yeah. so And it was my first in-person trip to this conference. So I had a lot of expectations and they were all met. It was almost like the way I described it was like I am a homecoming for a lot of folks. We hadn't seen each other, you know, since 2019 or... Longer, for that matter. You know, everyone was so happy to see each other, to reconnect, to network. It was fantastic. And the sessions, um, I mean, it's very focused on ocean freight, the import side. And there were some fantastic sessions from a shipper's perspective, as well as from the ocean vessel perspective. You know, the shippers were pretty angry. They were pretty vocal about not being happy. They let it be known at the conference, but, I mean, it didn't get violent or anything. But at the same time, the ocean vessel carriers were explaining the dilemma from their perspective. So the meeting of the two, as well as the trucking industry, drayage, oh, my gosh, the tension and demerge was mentioned so many times during that conference Coming together, explaining why each was angry was fascinating to hear. And it also emphasized the theme of the conference was the importance of relationships. And it's not, you know, like, oh, let's just make a relationship on this short term. Long-term relationships are very important. Yeah, your stuff is stuck in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, but let's work together and see how we could. Strategize, come up with creative ideas to mitigate some of these delays once they hit the country, that type of relationship.
0: And you mentioned the, some conflict between players, which I imagine is there even in the best of times. But I think at, during TPM, uh, there was the State of the Union, where again, supply chain issues got mentioned. And I wonder what was kind of the reaction between those players in conflict to what the president had to say about some issues as he saw them.
1: Oh, yeah. So it was great because that that was a, a Tuesday night when that happened. We had a TV set up during one of the, the evening network sessions. So a group of us were sitting there watching it. The minute President Biden said that they were going to go after, you know, these foreign companies, you know, for gouging and such as that, Our heads, I mean, it was like our necks snapped because we all just automatically jerked and and looked at each other like, Oh, it was like the, "Uh uh-oh moment. Like, surely no, no. (laughs) And so, yeah, that, that created a buzz that night as well as through Wednesday. You know, what exactly does that mean? A lot of players whether they're the supply chain providers, ocean vessel carriers, or whomever, nobody really wants the government to get involved any more than they should. Let's just put it that way. You know, this is something that a lot of people think we should be able to work this out without the government and and the government. I mean, we had several folks from the government, from the FMC, Secretary of Transportation, They were all there, you know, talking about this. And they really don't want to get involved any more than they have to. They just want it. They want everything to be fair. And I think that's what a lot of us want.
0: I mean, I think one of the things with the supply chain crisis is so many want a silver bullet to just kind of solve it. And, you know, as you list the players that just at the conference, there's a lot of players with a lot of different incentives in the game and It's not one simple switch that you can pull to to make it all better.
1: Exactly. And it's not one issue that's causing all of this. There's several issues. You know, it's just highlighted different things throughout the supply chain that we need to look at. Well, I should say supply chains, because to me, a supply chain is like a social security number. No supply chain. You know, they all differ. They should differ just depending on a company's strategy. And it also highlights the need to, you need to study, you need to review your supply chain on a regular basis, not just put it on a shelf and go, yeah, it's there. It's worked like this for the past five to 10 years. There's no need to change it. Well, if anything, risk within the environment, the global environment, you have to change it on a regular ongoing basis. You need to monitor the markets that you're in on a daily basis and adjust your supply chain on that as well.
0: So coming out of the conference and thinking about your work over the next couple months, uh, what kind of analysis are you going to be diving into uh, in the near future that, that folks might see on social media or elsewhere?
1: Uh, well, I have, I took a lot of notes at TPM and um, prior to that, I was at WMX, which is a, A mail and express conference. Uh, So I took lots of notes. And what I'm taking away from all of this is how does it all connect back to the last mile? Because right now, the whole last mile in e-commerce is something very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I laugh and say that, yeah, the world's discovered reverse logistics this year. Well, the world has definitely discovered last mile over the past couple of Years and the importance of adding last mile to the rest of their supply chain. Because last mile has always been treated much like reverse logistics, as like the redheaded stepchild, you know, or some other group within a company manages last mile. Now it's all being combined together. It's important to know how ocean freight impacts last mile, air, trucking, so on, how they all interconnect.
0: Well, I look forward to tracking uh, what you come out with, and I really appreciate you taking time today to speak with me. So, thanks a lot, Kathy.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: For more on Kathy's work, read and subscribe to her Substack at kathyroberson.substack.com. For details on the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration, visit our website at ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for tuning into this special Freight Friday edition of First State Insights reach out with comments, subscribe to the podcast, and tune in again soon. Take care.